Hello and welcome to Is Mainly a Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm joined with someone who isn't yellow or pink. He's Josh Hemo. Oh, that was a good one. That was really good. I like that one. I had a lot actually, but uh, I didn't want to go through all of them, and some of them were, I don't know, they're okay. They're for a different universe, a different multiverse, a timeline situation. <laughs> so uh, maybe uh, somewhere out there, someone's hearing a different version. Man. Sorry, that got real deep. The real deep Anyways, real quick. <laughs> we're watching Season 2, Episode 19, Jellyfish Hunters and the Fry Cook Games. Act 1, Jellyfish Hunters. Ooh. It sounds more intense. Actually, it's a pretty intense episode. It but is. Anyways, uh, this episode, SpongeBob decides to put his jellyfish jelly on a Krabby Patty, and when word gets out at the Krusty Krab on how delicious it is, Mr. Krabs asks SpongeBob to capture all the jellyfish in jellyfish fields. So that way, Mr. Krabs can use all their jelly on the Krabby Patties. And then a blue jellyfish shows SpongeBob how all the jellyfish are being mistreated. And SpongeBob decides to set them all free. This episode is a very, very scary episode because it starts out very happy in jellyfish fields. And then it gets really dark with this whole like factory farming scenario situation yeah it it does get super like serious at the end right it's like super dark and i don't know it it reminds me a lot of when people talk about like farming videos or like um videos Mm -hmm. about animal treatment um especially like i think natalie portman has one on youtube or uh, not youtube hulu um eating animals Mm -hmm. or something it's like sounds like that's like the treatment vibes i got like super like mistreatment of animals and like in factories and stuff like that and it's It's like super i don't know it's it's very very eye-opening in the episode which i find it very hypocritical of me to be like oh my god this is so brutal but then like here i am eating eating meat yeah (laughs) i don't know but before we jump into like a really heavy topic I do want to ask, why do you think SpongeBob did not get shocked at the end? He was their captor. He was the one that rounded them all up and put them in this factory. Yeah. And I, like they, they shocked the crap out of Mr. Krabs, but they don't really do anything to SpongeBob. Mr. Krabs 100% deserved it. And I did, I, I, it is kind of weird that SpongeBob didn't. I guess that maybe it was they understood that SpongeBob was being manipulated by Mr. Krabs. Mm-hmm. At least I hope so. I mean, that's what it kind of seemed like no name slash friend is the name of the blue jellyfish now. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of understood that for SpongeBob, that it was like a redemption thing. You know, he didn't really understand what he was doing. I don't know. Does that excuse it? It doesn't excuse it. I don't think so. I think that at some point in time that you have to kind of question the motives behind what's going on, especially like. My big question for this episode specifically is, do they not sell jelly at the store? Is this is like a rare commodity that you can only get from I don't know, what how do you juicing? Do you juice jellyfish? I would say milking, milking? would probably be the closest. Yeah. yeah. Cuz like I I wouldn't consider it like a bee, like a bee like I think honey is a product they create. I yeah. don't really know it's how honey harvested. is made. It would be honey is like har- a harvest thing, right? Yeah, they yeah. don't like it doesn't like shoot out of their butts or nothing. No. At least I don't think so. I have to watch a B movie again, maybe <laughs> I'll understand it. But but yeah, I I definitely consider it like a milking situation. Okay. Although they did put like a freaking jellyfish on a juicer, which Yeah, is, which is crazy. Looks painful. But that's like so I guess they must not have jelly in the stores then, right? And that's what doesn't make sense. So that's why like on SpongeBob's part, he, it's not excusable. He should be questioning why Mr. Krabs needs all these jellyfish, right? Maybe it's like the difference between. I don't know if there is a difference between. Like, isn't isn't there a difference between like real maple syrup and like real maple syrup and like fake maple syrup? There is. Yeah, it's the same thing with honey too. Like, there's fake honey and real bees honey. You know, I think the same thing with. Like, no, I know there's. They do that with honey? I thought it was just raw honey. Nah, I think that honeys, there's also processed honey that isn't like from mm. bees, but made from like sugar and other products and stuff. 
Is that true? I think so. I'm just going to believe you at face value. So if anyone else is in, is doubtful and screaming at us right now. Until they actually know. They might actually know. All I know is the bees are dying. That is the biggest <laughs> thing I, I know about Save bees. Save the bees. They're dying. We need more bees. We need more pollinators to help our, our world. Did you finish yeah. your Google search? <laughs> I did. It, there was a bunch of YouTube videos that I couldn't look into but i'm gonna say i'm right you're gonna say you're right someone can prove me wrong um okay so since we're on big big world topics with bees and global environment do you think this is a good episode to show people to become vegan i don't think so i i thought about that a lot in this Mm -hmm. um because that's something that's like huge in our culture right now is like veganism is really taken off Mm -hmm. um but I don't know if this really touches on. I don't. Know, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think it approaches it in a way that's like really trying to gear people towards finding alternatives to mm-hmm. like jelly. It's more that there's a mistreatment, I guess. Well, I guess like um. I don't know because it's kind of like the argument that like veganism isn't meant to be an alternative lifestyle. It's to be the proper lifestyle because you don't know animals are harmed in the making of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't know how I feel about, like, veganism when, like, vegans that don't, like, eat honey. Like, there are vegans that do that. They're, like, they don't, they're not allowed to have any, any animal product. Yeah. Or, like, even, like, eggs. Eggs, milk, like, anything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, like, it's all... You know, it comes from an animal. Yeah. But I feel like if, I think there are ways that we could, as a society, figure out to, like, you know, you provide bees with a place to live, and you get a little bit of their honey, and you can eat that, you know? Like, if it doesn't harm the bees in general. I think I think what that society looks like is something that is a give and take. It's more of a... um mutual um like mutual success between both species right Mm -hmm. isn't just humans putting a bunch of cows or animals in a farm and just taking their meat and products and letting them just basically die in awful conditions yeah and i think that's what like a big movement for veganism and i think from this episode does touch on janet is the mistreatment and there Mm -hmm. is no mutual respect between species yeah, and what the crazy thing is, and like I said, it's a little bit hypocritical of me, and I'm fully taking like responsibility for this. It's like, I mean, most of the food that I eat does have meat, and I'm sure a lot of that meat is not ethically sourced how it should be. Yeah. Because, I mean, for me at least, like a lot of the ethically sourced meat is very expensive, and I don't have time to go every single day to get like vegan, vegan food. And I know there are alternatives like, like frozen like veggies and stuff like that but like yeah. even like frozen veggies and like stuff like that but i feel like a lot of times the good parts of being like vegetarian or vegan come from the freshness of the food that you eat yeah and not all like foods frozen taste as good so it's just like meat like even like fresh meat would taste better than like frozen meat yeah it's like the whole reason like a lot of people like do like not frozen meat and stuff like that so I don't know. It's like I do have an uncle who works for like people who like get meat and he's like I've been to like one of the factories and he's like those cows know. They know they're going to die. Well, I it's think it's like it's silly. A stressful situation for them. Yeah, it's silly as humans to think that animals don't know, right? Yeah. But that's our stupid human brain mm-hmm. thinking that we're better, but I don't know. I'm I'm still like a believer I guess my like worldview on that kind of like lines up more with how I guess Native Americans are like perceived, where it's like they use every single part of it's a respect the animal. They respect it's a respect. The animal. Yeah, yeah, you're like I'm giving uh, like this animal's providing something for me, and I'm gonna use the animal in the best of my ability, and then like do all that stuff. And for me, like I consider that more like circle of life situation. Yeah, where like. I don't know. I don't believe that factory farming is the way to go, but I do think that we should be able to eat animals, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, well, it, like, I mean, 
Killing an animal is not going to be a pleasant thing for them ever. No. It's like you either live or you die. It's like me saying like, oh, Omar, would you rather be like, like dead from old age or dead from being shot? Like, I'm going to prefer old age, but I'm going to prefer not dying over any of those options. You right. Know? Right. And I think it, like you said, it is a circle of life thing. I mean, other animals eat other animals. Like that mm-hmm. is just a fact. It's hard to get around. I think, but again, it's like, I think it's just the injustice that we cause species and the suffering. That's that's the real problem. I think that's what people really react to. I don't think it's so much the eating meat. So for some people, it is, mm-hmm. but it's really just the injustice. Yeah, there. I know a lot of people who stop eating meat just based on that. Yeah, alone. Just like watching how, watching how those much these animals suffer. Yeah, yeah. I don't this, know. It's rough. This is a this is a rough act. It is like because like like I do say in the beginning like it starts off so happy it's like spongebob just enjoying i kind of like consider it like fishing like i mean it's called jellyfishing but you know like regular fishing like like a yeah, hobby the fish yeah like i know people who fish and like they don't eat the fish they just catch it and they release Put it, it back you yeah know? you know and like sure there's hooks so like that's like a dangerous thing but in the end the fish you know go on on their little fishy lives yeah possibly with a hole in there a new piercing you know but <laughs> But like I don't know, it's just it seems so pure when SpongeBob was doing it, and then whenever when you know Mr. Krabs gets his hands on his capitalist little hands on it, just well, ruins it. Well, I think that's like a a weird bigger metaphor is that if like a big capitalist or a bigger company comes in and takes advantage of like the naivety of something or the purity of something, right? It, yeah, can corrupt it real quick. Yeah, it's, and then one of the lessons I had was. Uh, that messing with the ecosystem is extremely bad. I mean, I don't know if jellyfish have any natural predators in SpongeBob's world, but like, that's not good. It's not going to be good. No. Mm-mm. For uh, for Bikini Bottom as a whole to not. I mean, you look at the fields when SpongeBob was done; they were super they were desolate, dead, dead, sad. So, yeah. I'm assuming they at least keep the fields green and stuff like that, because all the other fields were uh, were crazy. It'd be interesting to get like. A better perspective on what jellyfish provide to the ecosystem in Bikini mm-hmm. Bottom. There's so many, four million. There's four million jellyfish. That's crazy, yeah. right? And then SpongeBob just catches them all. I I will say, yeah, he did catch them all. He's the he, he is, is the... Ash Ketchum. <laughs> Although Ash Ketchum nice. can't catch anything, but yeah. we'll uh we'll say that for a different <laughs> different podcast or a different day where I'll rant about Ash Ketchum. How he hasn't caught any of his actual Pokemon, <laughs> but um, but yeah, let's talk about a a lighter thing. Fred the fish, the first influencer. You know, we really talk about you know marketing and stuff like that, but like word of mouth will always be the best marketing, which is my small lesson. But the whole little song that he did, which like you could consider that like vertical integration, right? He came up with a jingle. And he like basically branded himself in the moment and sold something. That is capitalism yeah. to a T. <laughs> That's crazy. Fred the fish, secret capitalist pig. <laughs> maybe he maybe he was in conjunction with Mr. Krabs. It was all like working together. It was a big plot conspiracy. Yeah. But that song is like such a cat like even when I was listening to it, I was like, I was like, hey, all you people. Yeah, all right. And like I was hearing like in my head I was like singing it with me because it's like really late, so I was gonna sing it out loud. But it's such a catchy jingle and especially like the big like like that whole like whole build, yeah. Yeah, the building is great and I think it's so funny how um Mr. Crabs reacts at the end, he's like, Oh, who has Squidward's records on again? Yeah. And like Squidward's reference to that episode, but he's never around. Nah. Um, but it did remind me of that dude. I don't know if you've ever seen that guy who only eats Big Macs, who eats like, well, not only eats Big Macs, he eats a Big Mac once a day. No, I haven't seen that. No, he was like in Super Size Me, I think. And then I think he's just fa- famous in the Guinness Book of World Records for doing that. Wow. He like has been eating a Big Mac since like McDonald's came out with it. He's like in love with the Big Mac and he like eats it and he's like, yeah, they've gotten smaller and like the ingredients have gotten different, but. He's like, but I still love him. And he goes in, he eats like two Big Macs at least or something like that. I can imagine that life. 
I couldn't do that. He holds the know. world record for it, so maybe he gets money. He probably he probably gets some sort of sponsorship, right, or something. I, ho- I hope so. McDonald's. I mean, it doesn't treat really, this man right. It probably doesn't make McDonald's a lot of money. No. Well, it's not like he's something. famous. It's not like it's like Kylie Jenner. Well, it's also not like day. McDonald's doesn't need more money. So yeah, exactly. They got too much. Um, it's. I think it's funny in this episode. Um, the whole sequence of uh no name following SpongeBob home. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I think someone's trying to sell me sell some- me something. <laughs> what is it about people trying to sell you things that is like so inherently terrifying? Like, I hate it when people come to my door. I don't answer it. I'll just like sit there and watch through the peephole until they leave. And then, like, the worst part is like sometimes they know you're there because they see like the shadow. I don't care. Like, I'll stand there. They can ring as much as they want. <laughs> She's like, "Hey, leave me alone." <laughs> no, like. I think it's just the, the fact that it's their job to sell something to you. And then it's like when at the register, they ask you if you want like a credit, the store credit card. Yeah. Like it's their job. Like I know a lot of people who had to do that and they're like, it was my job to ask at least three times. If I didn't ask three times, like I'd get in trouble. It's like when you're playing mobile games and the mm-hmm. ads pop up, it's just real life ads is all yeah. it is. It's so and annoying. It's, it's worse though because like it's hard to like look someone in the eye and I think that's the whole point of it is it's hard to look someone in the eye and be like no I don't want and They're like they're like are you sure and you're like please no I eat ramen every day I can't afford whatever you're selling me go away And then they're like but you'll get like $50 off this purchase Josh just like <laughs> sign up for it And it's it's rough like no no thank you I saved my money for Taco Bell not your bullshit <laughs> <laughs> Soon Taco Bell's gonna come out with a, a eating card. It's gonna be like, hey, you, <laughs> you want about Crunch Wrap Supreme? You want ten cents off your Crunch Wrap Supremes that's, for the rest of your life? That's a credit card system I can get behind though. <laughs> I also found it funny when he gets back at home and like no name cuts the power. He's like, Gary must have forgot to pay the electricity bill, which made me think, like, may, does you think Gary actually pays? Contributes to the rent. Yeah, like is it more of like a roommate situation than mm. a pet? Because I, nah, I don't again, think so. you know, I don't know. I'd like to think that it would be just because I like to think that Gary is more intelligent than, you know, a pet. But then we ever get to see, yeah, that he's secretly just SpongeBob's like, "Hey, what's up, man?" Yeah, exactly. And then when like everyone else is around, he's like, "Meow," and that's it. Yeah, that's his but, whole life. I don't know. I thought it was funny. I, I like that too. And then um, the whole part right before Fred starts singing his song, he's like, "Hey, what is that?" And he's like. This is a whole good sir. <laughs> I'm surprised no one has memed that. So everyone else should meme that. Make a meme. This I, is a whole good sir. And all those like noises that SpongeBob's making when he's eating the crabby the jelly patty. Oh, it's yeah. So it's cr- like really cringy and like too sexual. That's to basically that was basically softcore porn. Although to be honest, that's me with like a cat's deli pastrami <laughs> sandwich. When I ate that sandwich, I was like telling everyone about it. Like when I came back from New York, the first time I was there was the first thing I said. I was like, a cat's deli pastrami sandwich is the best sandwich I've ever had. And I was like, and it was $25 and I would pay it again. To be fair, it's a really good sandwich. I, I understand. Solid. I understand. It's no ordinary sandwich. <laughs> Are you ready for the bubble break? I am so ready this week all right to keep with the theme of the first act we're going to talk only about factory farming no that's gonna be depressing <laughs> we're gonna talk about weird food combinations and i really like this because you know i think growing up mexican mexicans are very very clever with their food combos i think we have a habit of taking stuff and like just putting other random crap it's usually something spicy um in it but um one thing that really stands out to me where i grew up like uh, happens a lot so like there's something called chamoy which is like basically a like spicy sweet a blessing plum, is what it is like a blasphemy <laughs> a blessing oh i thought you said a blasphemy no, i was no, like no, what? no. <laughs> i was about to slap you through this computer i was gonna go through the internet and kill you no, but it's like a like basically a plum salted plum sauce, I guess is the like bare bones way of doing yeah, it. You should look it up. It's really good. Yeah. 
but it's like sweet and sour or whatever. But I know like a lot of, especially like in Nogales, I'm not going to mention the name because if we ever get famous, I don't want anyone else to know about it because that's how coveted of a secret it is <laughs> in my mind. Um, but they put it on like ice cream. Basically. Oh, yeah. So like it's like spicy and like the sweetness of the ice cream. I've also seen it in like shaved ice. Um, there's I, other just, things. That, I see uh, it all the time. Um, in middle school, there used to be this ice cream truck, and that was like the big favorite to get it in like hot Cheetos or any mm-hmm. kind of like chips and stuff. Yeah, like, and those like aren't really for me. That strikes me as like the weirdest combination because it's like such a spicier, like sauce, I guess. Yeah, to put on like something so sweet as ice cream. But it tastes so good and it's done so well. It's so, it's like, so weird because in my head, like the idea of like sweet and spicy is not like a, 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 foreign, thing? a foreign thing, but that gets it's like where we grow up, like in Arizona, like that's spicy foods everywhere, right? Yeah, for people like, I don't know, some friends from the East Coast listen to this, like weird stuff that we do all the time is like, um, I remember we go to like the mall or like even like a little like corner shop and they get like tostitos, like tostitos like the bag and like they crunch it all up and they put basically like coleslaw mix and then like sometimes they'll put in like these like spicy peanuts and then they'll put like chamoy over it and then lime and for me like that is not like a foreign concept at all but like if you brought that bag out to certain people they'd be like what is going what is this yeah like why did you take those doritos crunch them up put a bunch of nacho cheese and then put coleslaw mix on it and like all this other random crap and then jalapenos and give me a plastic fork to eat it with, you know? Yeah. But like, what's something that you did? Like when you're, I've done like some weird stuff when I was younger, like one time my aunt and I, cause my aunt's around the same age as me. Shout out to Andrea. Um, she would always eat hot dogs, ketchup and hot sauce. That's not that again, but that it's, doesn't seem again, weird to it's me. It's not that weird, but, but like, Think of eating a hot dog, just plain old weenies, like cutting them up, putting ketchup and hot sauce. That's so gross. It is kind of gross. Outside. Yeah, I guess so. And like we didn't cook the hot dogs. We just oh, like straight see, that's, up. That's like, kind of gross. They're slimy. They're, they're cooked in the package, bro. But I it's guess like so. it's slimy either way, you know, because the ketchup and the hot sauce. Yeah, that's true. But I remember I used to eat that all the time when I was like over at her house. I, uh, at some point in time, I don't know, I don't even remember how it happened, but as a kid, um, mm-hmm. I had put Skittles in tuna fish sandwiches. Oh my god, that's a blasphemy right there. Nah, it was like actually pretty good. It was pretty. But would you good. do it again as an adult? I think so. I don't know. I I think I would try it just to see if whatever yeah. palate you were insane. But it was like yeah, basically. But it was like I think it was like the the contrast between like because I'm a big fan of putting like dill or like pickle in um in your like tuna fish whatever mm. situation for sandwiches so it was like the difference between like the salty vinegar taste with the sweetness of the um skittle was actually pretty good it was interesting um but i'm always I've been a big fan of like putting fries and like eg's and for people who don't know what eg's is it was like a like shaved ice shaved situation. ice kind of drink thing or like in a milkshake or whatever i've always loved that fries and ice cream used to be my favorite yeah i used to like getting just like a little pack of small fries at mcdonald's and getting like a a mcflurry it's a treat yourself treat yeah Yeah. or even just a cone you could just like rub it on the cone (laughs) rub it on the cone i would eat that like if they if they got a a, (laughs) if they got french fries and then they dip the cone in i mean they dip the ice cream cone in the french fries so they get stuck on the outside i think i'd eat that that's an interesting idea but you I'm can also market a pig, that. So. I know people you just could... cut them up in little bits. You gotta keep them real crispy though. Like, or if you get the fries, or can, can you make up. the cone out of French fries? Oh, that sounds like a nightmare, but like a perfect nightmare. right. I'd go for that. I'd try it. The only I other think it would leave your hand greasy, but like I'm still down. I'm fine. It. That's fine. <laughs> and then I wonder how that would affect because like my favorite part of like a lot of the cones is like the very end where it's just like ice cream and cone like perfect equilibrium. The crunch. Yeah, like, or even like in drumsticks, like the little bottom ice cream part. Well, like, well what was if it was instead of a French fry texture, it was like a potato chip texture. Like you're still mm-hmm. getting the potatoes, but you got the crispiness of it too. Maybe. I don't know. I just like McDonald's French fries have such a unique, like, 
flavor. Like they I'm do. sure it's all the MSG and whatever <laughs> random crap they put in there. All the salt. Literally yeah, all the salt. It's just literally all salt <laughs> and whatever secret grease they use. Um but I don't know, like other like weird things like my aunt used to like I'm a huge fan of the Lay's Limon chips. Mm-hmm. But she would always eat tuna with them, like instead of saltines. She would just straight up use chips. Um let's see, we would always put hot sauce and lime on chips all the time. Chips. What other things? My mom do? uh one time accidentally while she was making like breakfast eggs, mm-hmm. um, grabbed the cinnamon instead of the pepper and put cinnamon in the eggs. And yeah. it actually turned out pretty good. It was like cinnamon eggs was a thing we'd have every once in a while. I mean, cause basically that's all French toast is. It's like toast, egg and cinnamon. So yeah, I guess that is a good way to look at it. Yeah. I was like, Hmm, I don't know if I'd eat that. I, I, I really want you to try these things again as an adult. And see if there is good. Maybe that could be like a special we do. It's like we relook, we look back at our, these food that we had as kids. I feel like as a YouTube channel, that'd be <laughs> that'd be better. But like on an audio medium, it's just like eat, us eating. It's an ASMR. <laughs> it's an ASMR episode where we just eat and then you just double, hear us go. It could double. <laughs> we'll, we'll double book. We'll have an ASMR and a mukbang. It'll be great. <laughs> Gross. Act two. The Fry Cook Games, memorable episode for me. Like, I remember this one very clearly, even though there's not, like, a lot of, like, funny moments in it. There's just, like, a lot of, like, I remember this one, watching it a lot. It's very visually iconic. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, Bikini Bottom is holding their annual Fry Cook Games, and, of course, SpongeBob's competing for the Crested Crab. Patrick shows up and starts making fun of fry cooking, saying that anyone can do it, and then ends up joining up with Plankton to be the Chum Buckets champion. Um, so the episode um, follows the competition between the two, uh, SpongeBob and Patrick, and like how their friendship kind of gets kind of toxic because of it. And in the end, they realize that you know they are friends all all along, thanks to some ripped pants and some colored underwear. The first thing that I wanted to talk about for this episode was Patrick's final statement where he says, these underwear were white when I bought them. Right. How do we? Disgusting. I know the joke is he peed in them. Do you think he dyed them yellow or do you think he peed in them? You know, I don't even think it was pee. I, at least I don't hope it was pee. What? I hope it was just... Fluid, do you think that was then? I think, well, I think, I guess pee would be a little bit more sanitary than my idea is that he just wears them so often and you know how like white clothes usually gets like the dingy yellow tones to them like that's how nasty like sweat stain grossness so gross yeah my shirts just turn gray because i can't wash them separate from my my colors (laughs) i just don't own any i just don't own any white clothes so i don't have to worry about that (laughs) yeah i kind of stray away from white clothes now for that reason yeah I don't think I could ever wear something that long to make it yellow. Maybe own something for that long while it turns yellow. It's like a like a gym shirts and stuff like probably turn yellow after a while. Just like sets sweat stains and stuff. Nah, I keep my gym shirts colored as well. That's smart. <laughs> I do have a lot of white tees, but like I don't know. This is a, this is a little bit of a tangent, but every time I see this commercial for Hanes and they're like, "Oh, don't get the bacon neck," like from our t-shirts, and I wear. Hanes all the time, and I get bacon neck all the time, and like it looks makes my shirts look look. I'm even wearing one right now. Josh can see, yeah, all jacked up. It is all jacked neck. up. It looks all loose and everything. I think I've only ever seen you wear white t-shirts for like pajamas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I never wear them out like Kanye or anything. Like Kanye. <laughs> Let's talk about these Fry Cook Games events. I love all the creativity that the animators put in just like the visuals. Even of the, all these things, this whole episode is really well done animation wise. It opens up mm-hmm. with this like cool 3D like pan over of the stadium and everything. Mm-hmm. I was like really impressed by that. Yeah. And then like, okay, straw javelin. I'm just going to list all the ones I saw. Straw javelin where they throw a straw into like a, a cup. Uh, basically like a jelly gymnastics where they use like a giant jello block to like bounce off of and do like flips and stuff. Patty discus onto a grill, and then Mr. Krabs' famous 500 pickle clean and jerk, <laughs> or um, Plankton's onion ring uh, routine, and then the deep fry pole vault, which is crazy. 
the hot fudge high dive, the hamburger shot put, butter skating, ketchup toss, serving tray hurdles, spatula ski jump, a dance composition, and finally bun wrestling. It's great. Let's talk about that deep fry pole vault. When all those fish get murdered. Murdered. Literally and instantly dead. sold. Cannibalism. I, that was some straight up cannibalism. I'm telling you, fish eat other fish, man. That's circle of life. Circle of life. That's crazy. It was crazy that that whole pole vault one I had a problem with. A, mm -hmm. because when SpongeBob does it, is it an unfair advantage that he can splat his body on the ground and then morph into a big number one? Like, to be able to morph yourself, is that an unfair advantage? I don't think so, because here's, here's my reasoning. For the pole vault, mm -hmm. specifically for pole vault, the point of pole vault isn't how you land it. It's how, it's how high you go over the thing, right. right? So he made it over, and the landing, like, if that was real life, like, he would have just broken all his limbs and been like, oh, he didn't stick the landing. It's all his fault, right? Right. And, but he has that advantage where he landed and he's like, boom, I'm good. You know, but he still cleared the distance. He cleared the height. And I guess so I, maybe in another event, but not, not, not the landing. The yeah. We're, as a form, as a former pole vaulter myself. Did you actually, I didn't know you pole vaulted. I did, but I wasn't good at all. I wasn't like, <laughs> I wasn't even one of those people who like could bend the pole and like shoot up. I also kind of blame, uh, my coaching. Fair. Like, I didn't really understand the concept well enough. You're, the pole vault. you're the kids on Vine on TikTok that like snapped the pole vault pole. And, no, like... not even. I wasn't that bad. Like to, in order to snap a pole vault pole, you have to actually be trying to pole vault. Like, so like basically what I would do is like, you know how if you're ever like a kid playing with a stick where, um, oh, the perfect, perfect example is like the scene in Aladdin where he grabs the stick and he like runs and he uses like the stick to like, not pole vault, but like, push himself from rooftop to rooftop yeah he's leading jasmine back to his place man i remember that too easily but uh <laughs> but that whole situation like where you're not really bending the stick but you're just kind of using the momentum which is like baby pole vaulting before you start but i think my problem was always using a pole that was too like you're supposed to use like a certain pole for your weight yeah and i don't think they were labeled properly at my school Cause like I was like one something, but then I would try using that pole and it wouldn't bend. Uh, so either I wasn't generating enough force or wrong the pole. poles weren't there, whatever. Like I, again, I think it was more from a coaching top down situation. It sounds like I, I coaching. loved pole yeah. vaulting, but only like two people on our team could pole vault like, okay. And even <laughs> then I don't think that they were that good doing it right. Oh, <laughs> I think they were good. I just don't think they were doing it right. Maybe you're, um, I was a track and field teacher. Just didn't know what he was doing. I mean, I, I don't want to put them on blast. <laughs> I think the person who was teaching us how to pole vault did not know what they were doing. Great. I think there was another coach who kind of knew how to pole vault, but I don't think they had any one-on-one -on -one coaching time with me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I do think SpongeBob qualified for the pole vault. Okay. Okay. When you, when you explain it that opinion. way, it is better. I mean, he doesn't land on it like Patrick's does. And so mm -hmm. Patrick, of course, I don't think deserved any kind of win for that. No, definitely um, not. Which then brings us to the next competition, which is the 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 high dive. Yeah. Um, when I think it's funny in this one is just how they make it like SpongeBob was pandering to the crowd, like it was too highbrow, right? Which yeah. I think was weird. I've never really under like as a kid I don't understand I didn't understand that, but now I'm like that is it's a weird thing to be saying right yeah but i mean he like plankton does have a point like he picked i mean in this one it's like basically two different desserts right yeah. so like he picked a dessert that is like a little fancier that's like me well, saying like I, oh like oh i want this fancy chocolate cake. look i want magnolia bakery pudding for dessert instead of like dq soft like yeah soft serve cone <laughs> And it was the almonds. I think the almonds did it, man. Because, like, naturally, I don't believe, like, a, a, a chocolate dip banana is, like, anything fancy, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. It's the almonds. That's what makes yeah. it fancy. Yeah. But that it was, like, a very interesting thing that flew over my head as a child. It's, like, pandering to what? What, I'm, don't, what is pandering? Yeah. It's a panda. What is a panda? It's a panda doing here. <laughs> but for me, my favorite part about that scene is the look on SpongeBob's face when he's diving 
and the look on Patrick's face when he's diving. They're both so intense. And like the faces they're making are just like so blank. And I know Patrick's is more of the gag where he's like, he's like, look at that form. And it's just like perfect. Completely like, falls over. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think Patrick took that one. He I did. I think he won that one for sure because it was he, not even just pandering. He just looked perfect. He morphed into a literal yeah, strawberry. Yeah, he looked just cone. like an ice cream. Yeah. I don't know how they, I don't know how the animators drew that, but he looked just like a real ice cream cone. Just like magic. <laughs> um, yeah. I had a question for you though. So before they uh, did the bun wrestling, each are both SpongeBob and Patrick try to prove their toughness. Um, SpongeBob by chewing on a chain and making braces, and Patrick by cutting a lemon in half and putting it in his eye. In your opinion, which is more tough? Like, which one shows that you're more macho? Do you think? I think chains to braces. I think so too. And oh, I would like to hear your reasoning, and then I will give you mine. I feel like chains to braces, like. I feel like pain from putting lemon in your eye is a passing pain, right? But I know from like chewing on like things that are like, I don't know, like anything that's like hard or metally or whatever is like, that's, mm -hmm. that hurts. It hurts your teeth. Your teeth aren't that strong, but the fact that he was able to do that and then morph it into braces, that's pretty crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm a hundred percent in that boat. I think here's the way I put it. So like if SpongeBob and I were about to go up, against each other and he was like i'm gonna bite into this chains and make braces you do the same thing i wouldn't be able to do that no i could probably cut a lemon and throw it in my eyes i have definitely put would i be tough enough to be like ah and ready to battle after that no, no but like i would be able to do it i'd be like okay time to cut a lemon and pour it in my eye right and go blind probably right if it, if it, if it was a saw trap i could definitely put lemon in my eye i could not chew on a chain i'd be dead yeah yeah <laughs> Like, think about how hard you had to, like... And it wasn't, like, a baby chain. It was, like, a real chain. <laughs> I'm really impressed with SpongeBob in this episode. Like, we've seen in the past how he's been portrayed, like, as, as a weakling, right? Mm -hmm. He's very strong. Like, all the push-ups he does, he, like, chews on that chain. He Even in the end, like, both him and um, Patrick are buff as hell, right? Yeah, I think it's just that mind over matter, man. Yeah. Like, he really wants it. I think a lot of SpongeBob internally like his his drive is just him being the best at what he likes doing like we saw how good he was at jellyfishing in the last one and he's always been good at like cooking Krabby patties so like this is his element being a fry cook well, is him, him. You know? and he had to prove something i think patrick we've seen throughout this season is a really terrible friend for whatever mm -hmm. reason and he starts off this episode by being an awful friend. Like he makes fun of fry cooking, which is like SpongeBob's passion. What he really yeah, that's loves. That's one of my small lessons. It was don't belittle, don't belittle other people's jobs. Yeah. Even if you think they're simple. Like what was up with that? And he makes fun of him for like polishing his nails and all this other stuff. Like I feel like Patrick was the one that was like poking the bear and like making a big issue out of something. <laughs> it was crazy. That's another small lesson I had was don't make fun of people's bodies. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, it's true. Like, I find, like, a lot of arguments, people just go straight for, like, how people look. And I'm like, come on. If, if you are really, if you really hate that person, you should insult their character. Right. You should Mental, mentally them so scar bad. them. Yeah. It, uh, mentally scar them. I guess <laughs> insulting their bodies would mentally scar, scar them, them as yeah, well. Probably. But, but I feel like you should go, the body should be the very last, last resort. Yeah. If, if you're going to win something that way. Unless you're calling their mama fat. Cause that's all he gets yeah. it. <laughs> Your mama. Um, it, it but it brought up an interesting point that I wanted to like talk about real quick. Is like, do you think mm -hmm. that friends know best how to insult each other? Like, if when it comes down 100%. to it, and that's kind of a scary thought, right? It's kind of a scary thought that a friend would be can turn something against you so quickly, like something really personal, right? Mm -hmm. I think the sign of a good friend. And I think any good relationship anyways, because, like, I think about this a lot, too, like, even with the dynamic with, like, my own boyfriend-girlfriend dynamic, mm -hmm. you know? Because, like, like Timo will know things about me that other people won't because, like, she's just spent the most time with me. And same thing, like, with her and, like, other best friends, too. You just spend more time with people that you know, like, if you really wanted to say something hurtful, you could. Yeah. And I think in the moment when you're arguing about something or you're angry about something, it's it's a choice of, I wouldn't say, well, I guess moral character, but also just like your loyalty slash like 
friendship to them and like how much that person means to you. I definitely that's think the it's a choice you're making in that moment, you know, yeah. it's whether or not to bring that up. I think it's, it, it boils down to like a selfishness. I think mm-hmm. like it depends on how selfish you are. How much do you want to be right? How much do you want to win at the end of the day by bringing up whatever this personal thing is? Right. Yeah. Does that friendship not matter to you that much that you can do something like that? Which I think is like, I don't know. I haven't really experienced that with people, which I'm thankful for, but I know I definitely know people that have run into that and it's kind of crazy. I always think it's so silly that definitely like had thoughts like that before where I'm like, okay, if I really wanted to just piss this person off and make them feel like crap, I could do it. Like, especially like for me, like I notice a lot of different things about people and like sometimes I can notice like things that people are self-conscious about that they don't want to talk about. Yeah. So like I think about stuff like that where if like, I'm upset at them, but I'm never going to say that to them because I, I personally respect them more than that. You happen to be a good person. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I could in a, in a, if I was angry. <laughs> right. So it's like, I guess what pushes you to that point. Which yeah, I, that's exactly. why I don't understand. Like in this episode, I don't believe that whatever was going on between them, like they got deep. Like I think the fact that calling each other pink and yellow, like that's a weird like race thing at some point right that's like yeah I yeah guess so yeah i don't know it's weird i don't really know how to interpret that i don't I know was in between yeah. yeah i was in between i was like i don't know if this is is this superficial is it like these are are these dumb things they're arguing about or are these serious issues that they're upset about bring it up you know? i mean it was enough to piss each other off like yeah yeah but i'm just saying are, are both characters dumb enough that they were like it's like if i was like oh josh you're smelly and then we you're like oh you're smelly yeah and then like we got mad oh like if it's something like super little something like that yeah so maybe the color doesn't really matter and maybe i would hope that would be the case right it's just something their stupidity yeah yeah i mean they they were wearing the underwear at this at the end you know yeah they were they were best buds that's true that's true I do think it's it's an interesting dynamic in this episode too, seeing their rivalry compared to um, Mr. Krabs and Plankton's rivalry, which yeah. we see all the time. Yeah, it's like I don't know. It's definitely a lot of Patrick and SpongeBob's later issues are all because of you know Mr. Krabs and Plankton. And it's never like it's like basically like they stoked the fire. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're the ones that were pushing them to like be against each other. But the biggest issue that I ran into with anything in this episode was Patrick licking SpongeBob's foot during the wrestling. Good. What? I did not want to leave this act no, without mentioning. We have that. to mention this. No, I think I didn't want to leave yeah. it. I was like, we have to talk <laughs> yeah. about this before we head out. What the fuck was that? <laughs> My question is, okay, say we were wrestling for sport, right? Yeah. And I was going to, like, I'm trying to win. Would licking your foot really be a dominant move, though? I don't think so. Like, I wouldn't consider anyone licking my foot as them winning. No. I think of them as losing. But what's like, interesting... if I couldn't move. Right. Like, if I couldn't physically move at all, and, like, I was, like, I'm thinking of, like, tickle torture situations. Yeah. like Like, some kinky fetish weird <laughs> stuff where it's like you're like tied up like some I shouldn't bondage say weird. stuff kinky fetish stuff we don't where kink shame like, where they tie you up and like tickle you like maybe that i'd be like oh i don't have control like i'm being quote unquote dominated but like in a wrestling match i don't imagine someone licking I mean, my foot being like oh no i'm losing definitely throw me off right i'd be like what is going on but what's interesting and what brings me like to think it's more than just like patrick being weird is what he says beforehand he's like now this is personal and then look spongebob's foot like he knows there's something weird there's something that spongebob doesn't like about it right he this is something they've experienced i did have a girlfriend who was very very afraid of feet hmm. and i never i don't think i ever got to the reasons why but like maybe, maybe. it's that something like that no, maybe episode like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just Maybe that's what. Maybe that's what my uh, seventh grade girlfriend was upset about. I was just very disturbed. Like I've seen a lot of like crazy stuff, but I think that was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in SpongeBob specifically. Big lesson. That's the second to last big lesson for the season. Isn't oh, that crazy? Yeah. Woo woo. Yeah. I can't believe we're already through season two. I know. Time flies by. It did go by really quick this time. Um. But that doesn't mean that just because it's one of the last lessons doesn't mean it's any more less important. So uh, what did you get this week? 
Or do you want me to do you want me to start again to prove I'm not uh, <laughs> coffee? You had you had two good ones. I think I'll I'll take the reins on this one. My redemption arc. But I swear if it's the same, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I'll keep my hands in I the air know. so you don't see me like typing. <laughs> you can still just lie. Okay, that's true. Apply. <laughs> All right. So I wrote, don't let the pursuit of excellence change who you are. That could be like a fortune cookie right there. That is. That's basically uh, a fortune cookie. That's what actually I've been doing this whole week. I've just been buying fortune cookies and opening them and then I just somehow apply it to the episode. No, for me, I'm like, okay, SpongeBob being the best jellyfish hunter and also like Mr. Krabs being wanting to be, you know, rich. Like it didn't really change how Mr. Krabs is, yeah. but it's still like it pushed him further into the dark side. Yeah. But for sure it changed who SpongeBob was. SpongeBob like was hunting jellyfish and quote unquote hunting for sport, you know, for like fun. The jellyfish jelly was like a happy like reward for working hard, you know? Right. Just like, you know, people who are like, oh, I'm a like I a have beekeeper and, and they get honey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or like they have chickens and they get eggs. Like, you know, it's like just a byproduct of their hard work. Mutual relationship that they have mm-hmm. with this thing. Symbiosis, yeah. if yeah. you will. Thank you, science. Uh, thank you, science. But exactly, like SpongeBob just, you know, he lost it. He, he, it completely changed who he was, and luckily he saved himself. And then Mr. Krabs came to his senses when he got shocked to hell. But, you know, uh, like in the second act, where it's both of Patrick, well, it's four people actually. It's Mr. Krabs, Plankton, Patrick, and SpongeBob are all fighting to be the best, right? Mm-hmm. And, Again, changes who they are. Like Mr. Krabs is exporting one of his workers into the point where, you know, I would say a little further than normal. Yeah, I was gonna say like, that's pretty on point for Mr. Krabs, but yeah, this was this was further than normal. He was turning yeah, a friend against friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like Mr. Krabs didn't really I don't know, he I don't never seen any signs that I, he would do that. Maybe for money. Yeah. So I guess kind of, I don't know. Well, but, that's that's what the Fry Cook games for him was. He's like, it's the publicity that would get him money, and that's what he mm-hmm. wanted. Yeah, but I feel like the publicity, I don't know. I feel like good publicity, bad publicity is good publicity, that kind of situation, unless it's super horrible publicity. Yeah. <laughs> um, but mostly, I guess, with Patrick and SpongeBob, it's like they're both trying to be the best for different reasons, but losing their friendship in the end. Yeah. You know? But they got it back. Like, they saved themselves, which I think, is a good reminder that if you have good friendships and good relationships in your life, you're gonna you're gonna you can rekindle it if something happens. Yeah, you can yeah. you can mend it. You can mend it if you haven't broken it too bad. Yeah, where'd you go? That's good. I like that. Um, I I got this week. Uh, was to don't be afraid to question or challenge authorities around you. Nice. Um. And the reason I brought that bring this up is because I feel like there is so much manipulation that happens in both these episodes, and like not and question and um Patrick and SpongeBob not questioning that um really like causes a lot of trouble for them, and that's like we see in Act One, um Mr. Krabs was like manipulating SpongeBob, saying like oh you don't care about the customer anymore, you don't care about the success of like the crab payment, all this like. Using mm-hmm. the weakness of SpongeBob, and if SpongeBob would have just sat down and th- thought for a second, it's like, is this why am I doing this? Like, what is the point of this? Like, I think he would have stopped. Hopefully, would have stopped um, capturing all the jellyfish. And then in Act Two, um, sure, there was like problems between um, Patrick and SpongeBob to begin with, but if they would have just sat down and thought, like, why is Mr. Krabs or Plankton like egging me on so much? Like, why are they? Mm-hmm like being so manipulative, I think it would have been easier for them to come to the conclusion. Like this fighting wasn't worth it or they were doing it for the wrong reasons, you know? Yeah. Especially I think for, I, I think your lesson applies so strongly to the first lesson, to the first act, because it's like so many times we're told by people above us to do something. Yeah. And like, it's such a, like a, like a whole like fascism situation. Like, that's how it starts. Like it's from people from above being, I feel like it applies so much now to like everyday stuff. Like I think about all the stuff happening at the border and how many people are like, you know, just doing their jobs and like there's people dying because you know, people are just doing their, doing jobs. their jobs. Yeah. Right. And 
don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of times at our work where if you're respectful about it, like, I mean, not everything is life or death for most people when they're working, that you can, you can challenge those, those ideas. And maybe you might, might, might might not be the most popular at your workplace, but like, it might come in handy if, you know, especially I see it a lot and I've been seeing a lot of criticisms from corporate to corporations about pride week, uh, pride month, Mm -hmm. you know, like all these people are like, you know, busting out their pride situation, rainbow flags and everything, but they don't mention anything else throughout the year or donate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like, um, one thing I, one cool thing I saw on Twitter was just like, whenever you see a brand talk about pride month, ask them if they support, you know, in their health plans, you know, transgender, you know, reassignment, gender reassignment surgery and stuff like that, you know? So it's crazy. Like, I think it's a very heavy, it's a very heavy first act, but it's very relevant to the very heavy ideas that are happening. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, it's more than just a challenging authority. It's like, we bring it up as like challenging norms, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something cool. How the second act ends is challenging Mm -hmm. a norm where SpongeBob and Patrick are like, in their underwear, but they walk off together like holding hands and like, like being homies. Yeah, yeah. It's like I thought that was a really cool moment. It's like this isn't like this toxic masculine thing that you can't like hold hand with your homie. It was like this is like fine. So it's like whole thing is like challenging these norms and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Very again, a very heavy episode. But like when you first watch it, it doesn't feel that way. No. You know, when you first watched it as a child, you were like, oh, this is just, oh, that's scary. Why are they hurting all the jellyfish? And then it's like, oh, funny. They're having like fry cook games. And it's like, honestly, winding down season two, like it reminds me so much of why I like doing the podcast. Yeah. This is just, well, you're just kind of, like you're finding these really deep stuff in yeah. a kid's show. And it's like 18 years later and it's still applicable. Like veganism and challenging norm and all this stuff is still very much prevalent and even more so than I would say than it was then. But yeah. Yeah. At least I I feel like we're as a society more aware of it now. Yeah. You know? I feel like back in the day, like being a vegetarian vegan was like such a niche. It was like yeah. Situation. Yeah. But now it's more of a becoming more of a norm. Yeah. Which is cool. Hopefully for the better. Yeah. Well, anyways, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to send us anything like comments or suggestions, or maybe you can tell us how we could be better vegans, even though Josh and I aren't vegan, but we will <laughs> help out or maybe some weird food combinations you have yeah but uh yeah you can reach out to us on ismaniespodcast.com where we have a little contact form you can sign up for or you can email us at ismaniespodcast at gmail.com cut out that website middleman you know or you could follow us and dm us on facebook instagram or twitter and also be sure to share with your friends and enemy and like and subscribe on pod- apple podcasts and Stitcher. now before we go Rick and I really My want name to. Isn't Rick?